Good morning. Uh, my name is Josh Pollard. It's great to be here today with you guys. I am the new adult ministries pastor here at Renovation Church, and this is my, well, now my second time, if you don't count this morning, uh, getting to bring the message to you guys. So I'm really excited to do that. Uh, part of my position here at Renovation Church is that I get to work with our house group ministries, which is awesome, and our volunteer ministry teams that serve week in and week out, which is really great. So I get to see Jesus transformed people's lives weekly through service, through discipleship, through fellowship. So join one of those two ministries. They're really amazing. Uh, I also get to work on our adult mission trips like Haiti coming up. So where Rachel used to do uh, an amazing job, I get to fill in her shoes now. Um, and I also get to work on our outreach ministries, helping us connect both to the local community and with what the church is doing in places far away. And so it's been a great three months that I've been here so far, and I've loved every minute. And I'm really excited to get to know you guys better. You might hear things about me just being the new guy, like I used to coach mixed martial arts, which is true. It's kind of cool. Uh, I also love anything really having to do with birds, which is weird, but also true. And uh, you might hear that I actually once fell out of the window of a five-story building completely unharmed. Totally true. So... But the, win the window, was, of course, was on the first floor of the building. And you can tell that part of the story if you want. <laughs> you don't have to. You can just say it was a five-story building. My wife and I just moved here from uh, Los Angeles, where life is a lot different than here. For one, water falls out of the sky like it's mad at you. You know, it doesn't happen in L.A. But also, I don't have to sit in L.A. traffic every day anymore, which is nice because... I have a lot less to repent about at the end of the day when I get home because it messes with you. It really does. Um, but that brings us to uh, the theme of today's message, which is repentance. See, repentance is a very substantial part of the Christian walk. We can't get away from it. It's very important from the day we come to faith until the day we die. And it can be a difficult thing or a painful thing for some of us in some situations, but once you take that step of repentance, it's impossible not to see the power of Christ's freedom spreading in the wake of that repentance. So let's pray as we jump into it. Uh, Father, I thank you for a chance to come together with this church, with these brothers and sisters of mine, and to worship you through learning about your word. Uh, we ask that you would be here today, that you would guide us, that you would give us soft hearts so that we can hear what your Holy Spirit is speaking into us. Uh, we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing our study of the book of, the, uh, the book of Luke in the Bible that we've been doing as a church for quite a while now. And today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 29, which you can find in the Bibles under your chair on page 844, if you'd like to follow along that way. Or in your Renovation Church app, you tap on Bibles, weekly messages, it pops right up. It's pretty nice. Uh, in our message last week that Pastor David gave, you might remember that Jesus just cast a demon out of a guy that couldn't talk. And there was a bunch of people, a whole crowd around watching this. It was a proper spectacle going on right in the middle of the street. And the group of people had several different reactions. One group of people was skeptical, and they demanded a sign from Jesus that he was who he said he was, as if casting a demon out of a guy wasn't a clear enough of a sign right then. And it is this group of people 
that Jesus addresses in today's passage. We will start in verse 29. It says, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man, that is Jesus, be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, something greater than Jonah is here. Okay. So they ask for a sign, right? And we should be very clear about what it means to ask God for a sign. I can think of plenty of times I've wanted a sign from God. You know, most recently probably, God, give me some kind of sign if you want me to take this job so far from my family. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you're wanting some kind of sign about what college to go to, or if you should have another kid, or if you should retire and move near the grandkids. God, give me some kind of sign, right? Maybe a few weeks ago, some of you wanted to sign if you should get baptized. Or maybe now, if you should go on the Haiti trip. God, give me some kind of sign. Some of you, I bet, just want some kind of sign that he cares about you at all. Or that he's even there. God, give us some kind of sign. And these are all good prayers, actually. These are the types of prayers that you'll find in the book of Psalms in the Bible. Or other places in the Bible. God wants all of these prayers. The problem might be that we look for these signs, these evidences of God's intimacy and his guidance, which is what these prayers really are. Uh, we, we look for things like fireworks or magic writing on the wall or something spectacular or an unexplainable coincidence. But that's not how we usually get these signs. We usually get the evidence of God's guidance and in intimacy in one of three ways. The first way is through the words of the Bible. It's God's inspired word. So read it. Get into a Renovation U class next summer and learn to read it well. The second way is through the voice of other Christians in whom the Holy Spirit lives. So be in fellowship. Join a house group when they open up in a few weeks. It's really powerful. The third way that we hear of this evidence of his intimacy and his guidance, is through the speaking of the Holy Spirit deep inside your gut. So be in prayer. Come to our prayer meetings. We have them for every service and learn to pray. Ask God for signs of his guidance and intimacy. He wants that. He's so eager to share that with you guys. Pray for it, as Pastor David preached about a few weeks ago, with reckless abandon, without shyness, with shameless audacity, as he put it. To those who ask, it will be given. Doesn't scripture say that? So let's start asking. God, give us some signs. Give us evidence of your intimacy, evidence of your guidance. Ask for them today. Maybe even go to the prayer table at the back of the room after the service and ask for it there with some, someone else to pray with you. But the people in our passage today are not asking for guidance and intimacy, are they? No. It says that they wanted a sign in order to test Jesus, as if if they find some kind of crack in him, they can dismiss him, like they win or something. 
But Jesus can see the motivations of our hearts. And so they, he sees the motivation of their heart is to test him and not to trust him. And so he calls them a wicked generation. It's quite a burn from Jesus, right? To help these people see that their testing is wicked, he gives them two examples. He says, uh, he gives us the example of Jonah and the Ninevites on one hand. And on the other hand, the queen of the south. And we're going to start with the queen of the south. Now, when he's referring to the queen of the south, it's the story from Israel's history that comes up in 1 Kings in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And it's about this queen of this southern kingdom called Sheba. And this queen had heard rumors of the king of Israel at the time, King Solomon, the wisest and richest king ever to rule anywhere. And she, it says that when she heard of his fame and she heard of his relationship to the Lord, she came up with hard questions to test him. But when he could answer all her questions so easily and when she could see how God had blessed him, it says she was overwhelmed. And this is what she says. She says, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom, it's true. But I didn't believe these things until I came and saw it with my own eyes. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. It sounds a lot like the way Jesus' kingship is described throughout the book of Luke, which is important because this queen who came from the ends of the earth could see that the Lord was with Solomon, clearly, right in front of her. And yet those that live in the heart of Israel with Jesus right in front of them could not see the signs. She came pridefully to test him, right, just like they did, but she could see the signs clearly and responded to them by repenting of her pride and beginning to praise God. Do you see the signs that are right in front of you? Where in your life are you still trying to test out God and instead you start, need to start praising God? This queen, the queen of the south, she is a model for you. She is a sign for you to follow. As for Jonah, we have another story of redemption. The Ninevites were a wretched group of people. Nineveh was known as the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. And by all measures, they were a part of a wicked generation. But God sends one of their victims, a man named Jonah, as a sign to them, to tell them that their wickedness had risen up like a stench in his nose and that he could see it, and they were going to be destroyed. But amazingly, miraculously even, they saw this sign with clear eyes, and it says the Ninevites believed God, that they repented of their ways and called urgently on God. When's the last time you called urgently on God? When God saw that they had repented, that they called urgently on him, he changed his mind, and he didn't destroy them. And now we get to hear the words of someone greater than Jonah ever was, and that's Jesus. In what ways, we have to ask, have we maybe heard the sound of his voice but not believed it? If you're looking for a sign from God that you need to repent, this is your sign. Listen to it. Call urgently on God. How different would your life be, would our lives be, if we began to pray with urgency, like our lives depended on it, like our very souls depended on it? Think about 
what you need to lift up with urgency to God, and then go do it. With these two stories on our minds, the Queen of the South and Jonah and the Ninevites, we can see that there are two ways that repentance plays a huge role in our lives as people trying to follow Christ. The first way is when we first recognize that we are active contributors to the wickedness of our, gen- of our generation, to our own destruction. And then we call urgently on God to come save us from that. And sure, there is much we need to repent of for doing and much we need to repent of for not doing, but what must come first is that we repent of our pride and see clearly that Jesus is a wise king. So be like the queen of the south and recognize the blessings and the wisdom and the love that God gives to those that trust him. All the rest will flow from that. Be like the Ninevites and believe God. Repent wholeheartedly, realizing that you're in desperate need of God's mercy. Call urgently on him. There's no big magic earthquake sign, so stop waiting for it. There's just the son of man saying, repent, turn toward me. And the question is, will our generation hear that? The second way that repentance plays a huge role in the life of people trying to follow Jesus is in practicing repentance as a spiritual discipline. Once we've initially shed those clothes of pride, we have to realize they have a tendency to want to regrow within us. And we have to shed them again like a snake sheds its skin again and again in order to grow. We have to be quick to apologize to people when we do something wrong and when we neglect to do what is right. When we are too proud to admit our wrongs, we're living as if we do not believe in the gospel. When we are too ashamed or apathetic or foolish to admit that we are neglecting to do what is right, then we are not living as mature disciples. Resistance to repentance has a way of creeping back up inside of us like mildew in a shower you just cleaned. Take time to recognize that. Continually turn toward Jesus by repenting to the people whom you've hurt. And take concrete steps in this. The benefits of repentance, the fruit that you need to bear that we talk about a lot in Christianity, it's not just abstract ideas or emotional sensations. It's very concrete. You know, repentance is not something you believe in. It's something you do. It's an action word, so you have to go do it. The tangible benefits can have a huge impact on the way you live your entire lives, you know? Mended relationships, healthier life patterns, lower stress, better health, happier kids. These all come from repentance in large ways. So if that means repenting from having a chaotic family life and setting up healthier structures, then you should do it. If that means repenting of pushing yourself away from friends when you should be really reaching out, then you should do it. If it means repenting of being a gossip or watching porn or being quick-tempered and instead getting the accountability that you really need, you need to do it. Repentance is not just about feeling bad about something. It's about intentionally working to live a different way. And as with any discipline, it takes practice. So we can't forget to repent of the little things in life, the day-to-day things that might come up. Even the biggest buildings are made of small parts, right? And it's important for us to remember that the spiritual discipline of repenting 
is one of the most transformative things we can do as Christians and as a church. It is used by the Holy Spirit to build a humble spirit within us as a person and as a group. And at the same time, God can use it to change other people's hearts. It's a very practical way of evangelizing, of spreading the gospel. And it's not something that we need to go across the world to do. It can just be a conversation over the dinner table or a short phone call to a friend. The important thing is that we are both intentional and genuine when we do it. If God's putting a person on your mind that you could do better by, then that is your sign that you need to go repent to them. That prompting the Holy Spirit, that is your sign. Listen to it. Repentance is a good thing, you guys. It's a gift from a God that loves you so much. It's not a punishment to make you feel bad all the time. It's a miracle, really, that we even have it as an option. So do it. God wants us to repent so we can live life more fully through him. Now, of course, sometimes we might know we need to repent of something. I'm sure you do. And sometimes we might want to repent, but it's kind of hard and awkward to, like, start that conversation sometimes, right? You don't know how to bring it up, maybe. So I'll tell you a quick story. Back when I was a mixed martial arts coach, we didn't only teach people the most efficient and effective way of breaking another human. We did that. But we also did more positive, wholesome things, you know, like life lessons and stuff. So one of my favorite lessons that I would teach to my students was uh, how to do a good apology. And so we'd give them a basic structure for an apology that they could use as a trustworthy place just to start that conversation from. And it works with kids and it works with adults wonderfully. It goes like this. You go to the person, or maybe you write it down if your situation, uh, that would be better maybe. And you say the words, I'm sorry. It's a good place to start, right? Good step one. I'm sorry. Step two, you say their name. Okay. Step three, you say what you did. Step four, you say what it did to them. And step five, you say how you're going to try and do better in the future. And then we'd all get partisan. We'd step on each other's foot and we'd practice a lot. So we'd, I'd step on her foot and I'd say, I'm sorry, Lucy, for stepping on your foot. That must have really hurt. I'll try and do better next time by watching out. And it works on things simple like that or something more deep like, son, I am so sorry for leaving your mom all those years ago. That must have made you feel really alone. I want to try and do better in the future. This framework is just a start for the conversation. And some of your conversations will need to go on for a long time. This framework will not fix anything, probably. Right? But I can tell you that if Scripture says faith without works is dead, then repentance without saying you're sorry and trying to do better and fix the situation is not a repentance that is worth much. Who in your life do you need to repent to? Do you need to say you're sorry for something? Start that conversation today. See where God takes it. Now, there are, of course, other barriers that we face with repentance, and maybe some are on your mind right now. First off, it's, most situations are not as simple as just one person needing to say sorry like you stepped on their toes. They're more complex than that, right? Sure, you hurt them, but they hurt you first, and you were right right? You're always right. Uh, maybe they won't even accept your apology if you tried, you think. Things like that. 
Things like, I'll be ready to apologize when they're ready to apologize. And all of these types of things are the rebuilding of pride in us. And it's simply not the gospel. Vindication is something that belongs to God. Insisting on our own is not how we do it as Christians. It's not part of the gospel. If that's what's on your heart, what's going on in your life, then I'd encourage you to place that weight down. Repentance is not only or even mainly about that other person. It's the first step in our own healing. Humility is one of the best medicines. It will help fix a lot in your life. Who was saved when Nineveh repented? Nineveh was. Now, many of you might need to get help unraveling that knot if you need to. I know that a lot of the people in this very room are going through a really tough time with the relationships in their life because as a pastor, I get all the prayer requests that people put in every week. The whole, all the pastors do, the elders pray over them, the prayer team prays over them. Uh, you've got a lot of prayer coverage in this church. It's pretty amazing. Part of God wanting to answer those prayers might be you getting someone to walk through that situation with you, whether that's a small group leader or a house group leader. So join a house group or maybe a ministry team leader or a staff member, maybe even just a friend with a mature Christian faith or even a Christian counselor. These people can help you walk through both your pain and your pride. And it might take just a quick call for support or it might take years of intentional work with these people, but seek them out. Don't wait for some magical sign that you need to. This is your sign. Or maybe you've been the victim of something in the past that has really genuinely hurt you. And you're angry about it. And it's made you resistant to repentance in general. This is what it did to Jonah. Remember that Jonah was a victim of the Ninevites. And he held on to his rightful anger at the Ninevites. But he did so so tightly that it made him resist God's call. But God gives us better things to hold on to, a lot of them. Things like faith in his wisdom and his timing, even though it might cause us deep grief at times. Or holding on to the hope that in the coming kingdom, pain is going to be a thing of the past. Or hold on to the love that God gives us for those around us. These things are not born out of anger, but out of recognizing that we just can't do this by ourselves. And that we need to urgently call on God to help us. Don't let the pain caused to you by someone else cause you to miss out on the comfort of God's healing grace. Now, for all of us, when we miss out on repentance, everything else gets stopped up. Joy, peace, wisdom, all these types of things come when the floodgates of pride are broken down by repentance. Do you want to encounter God? Then first, repent, both to God and to those whom you've hurt. Do you want to begin to heal what's inside you? First, repent. Do you want more fruitful prayer, more joyful tithing, more genuine relationships? First, repent. It allows God to redefine life for you in such a way that you'll begin to see everything more clearly as he does. Now, today's message might seem kind of heavy to some people, but it's a good message. It's full of hope. Even the Ninevites, as wretched as they were, repented, and God gave them new life. 
Even the queen of the south who started so far from God ended up praising his name. And we might even see in the weeks to come that some of the people in the crowd around Jesus are going to repent and begin to follow him. The question is, will we? Will our generation? Every generation has to hear the gospel fresh. There is always an open door. God never abandons genuine repentance. So make it a spiritual discipline that you practice regularly, and Jesus will continually redefine how you see life. There is more celebration in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous people that don't need to. Do you believe that? Because I do. So let's remember that as we share this good news with people and see people repent. Friends, repent and see clearly the power of Christ. That's the message for today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all you've done for us. I praise your name. You are a good God and a good Father that gives us good gifts. Please lead us to repentance in a way that redefines the way we see life. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray.